What do you do when you finish your sermon and think, crushed it, and all you can hear are crickets? Getting teaching training by asking good questions of godly people and being a lifelong learner. Moving from the rhythms and intensity of camp ministry to the weekly faithfulness of church ministry. The role of inspirational storytelling when you're telling the story of God. Preparing a message while discipling and training other people in a community. In this episode, we have a fantastic conversation with Megan Fate Marshman, pastor of young adults at Arbor Road Church in Long Beach. All right, everybody, welcome to the Teaching Pastor Podcast. Uh, this is Craig Hill, and I am here today with Megan Fate Marshman and uh, in the Inner Sanctum. Mm. I had to make it through layers of security just to make it here. Indeed. How are you today, Megan? I'm doing fantastic. Awesome, and awesome. yourself? I am. I'm doing great. Sounds like you kind of are like an interviewer. You seem like you are a person who you're going to want to take this one I over. I am. I'm going to out of nowhere just ask you questions, so get ready. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and let me tell you why. And I'll actually <laughs> tell you why. Because I've been studying Jesus, because that's what good pastors should do. And been studying how he lives, and I happen to want to look like him, right? Spiritual formation. And it seemed like he asked a bunch, so I think that's going to be my response. And every time I do, and it's frustrating to you, just remember yeah. I'm trying to be more like Jesus. So. No, it's good. You know what? I <laughs> You look in Scripture, some of the best encounters people have with God always begin with a question. Always. Like at the, at the tomb, like, why do you seek the living among the dead? Right. Or like the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. It's like, why are you persecuting me? Right. Or Elijah in the in the world. What are you doing here, Elijah? Like a right. good question leads to everything. Oh, okay. So we're going to have a good time. So why are you in my office? Yeah, exactly. Ah, <laughs> See, good. Well, I am here because you are a winner from oh, what I understand. Man. Are you a winner? That, okay. A little context. Uh, <laughs> there are those moments in life where <laughs> uh, things are just going okay, but you have to be sensitive as a pastor to making sure that the person you're telling is doing okay in life. So if you are a listener and life is just hard, now mind you, <laughs> so if life is just hard, just ignore the next three minutes. And by three minutes, I mean 10 seconds. I have won a lot of contests lately, and it is making me laugh. And that's the end of that story. Well, no, because you've like leveraged all of your Instagram friends to win a contest on Instagram. And I won. And you won. I Congratulations. Won. Thank you. You are a winner. Well, excellent. Wow. And I just want everybody to know that like... Megan was just pastoring the microphone for just a moment. It was, was wonderful. I had a moment. Just, I was picturing the person who's just... because Well, here's what happened. About two days ago, I won a bunch of stuff, and it was like crazy, and I'm so excited about it. And I went off on a friend about like, yes, actually, life is amazing. Let me tell you all that. And I'm laughing hysterically and quickly recognized uh, with spiritual discernment that she wasn't laughing quite as hard. And then I switched it up. How are you? She goes, yeah, life's hard. And I was like, oh... That's so you probably happened. don't want to hear about how I just won an $800 bike. Awesome. Okay. No, that's good. Okay. So, Megan, you are, um, what's your position here, your role here at Arbor Road Church? Mm, Arbor Road Church. In, Arbor Road Church mm-hmm. in Long Beach, or is this Lakewood? Where are we? Good. It Actually, the borderline was changed. We are officially in Long Beach, California, oh, which is where I've been born and raised. Been coming to church here for about three and a half years and been on staff. No, been coming here for about three years and been on staff for about a year and a half. Nice. And I love it. So I get to hang out with 18 to 25 year olds typically, and then 25 to 30 year old leaders who are wanting to uh, disciple a few in such a way where they disciple a few and disciple a few. And Hmm. I absolutely love it. Awesome. And then you have spent some time 
not like you're in prison or anything, but spent some time at Hume, mm. at APU, mm. David C. Cook. Yes. Um, any highlights in there? People, yeah. Things that you've done there that people might know or recognize or things you've written, things mm. like that. If you've been to Hume, the, <laughs> my title, Spirit Girl, might make sense. If not, that just sounds really weird and charismatic. So... I uh, worked at Hume for the past 11 years. Worked. I uh, used to teach at Azusa. Loved that season of life. Mm-hmm. Worked at Rock Harbor Church. Really enjoyed that. Came to know a lot about how to create an environment to invite the Lord into that space. It's fun looking back on life and experiences and going like, ah, the things I do now are just because of the small baby steps and ways in which people equip me along the way. Mm, that's awesome. And so now you have, um, you teach the Bible. You teach the Bible um, from the pulpit in on Tuesday nights with young adults. Um, yeah. So what kind of venues are you teaching in these days? Mm, it's quite an interesting variety. So I'd say my favorite would be college chapels. There's something huh. about, and maybe that's why I'm a young adult pastor, but uh, there's something about that, you know, 22 year old who's just ready and mm-hmm. just needs to either be invited um invited to go for something and tell stories about it or needs to be invited uh, to just like stop thinking about themselves or need to needs to be invited to like figure out how beautiful the Bible is and how compelling it is and you don't need to find it anywhere else. I feel like they're ready and mm. hungry for it and receptive where like high school, which I did, my whole background has been really in high school ministry. I feel like you have to spend that entire introduction trying mm. to convince them to listen to you. Um, cool thing about <laughs> high school is that they're just ready right off the bat. Yeah. And you can start with scripture. That's kind of a fun yeah fun uh, age group that's just hungry for what God has to say to them. Yeah, it is great to teach people who are ready to be formed. Mm. And college students, young adults definitely are. Sometimes adults, not so much. Mm-mm. Not so much. Like you've got a, like the high schooler who's checking you out, right. who's trying to probe a little bit. you got to earn the right to be heard. There's definitely that sense of like, hey, don't disrupt my life. Yes. You know, and uh, yes. so do you deal with that a lot in your teaching or do you just feel like you're able to get up and just kind of go straight at them with young adults and with uh with young adults specifically yeah yeah Yeah, i think as long as you what i've realized is as long as you engage them in the first three minutes you'll have them uh with something they actually care about Hmm. so if it's just something i care about they'll kind of like oh here i here i did this i was researching something and this is really helpful and not credible with me saying the phrase something but uh was researching kind of the brain and why it is that we like suddenly in the middle of listening to a sermon just kind of days out like goes out like why do we do that because everyone does it sure and then some... i don't know i have nobody i always pay close attention <laughs> i always memorize exactly what they say <laughs> yeah. that in the bible no uh why do we do that and some research which again good luck looking that up some research had said that the brain is always trying to relax like there's something huh. in us that wants to so if the person is not engaging for a moment or they're talking about something they don't even care about like of course our brain's gonna want to try to relax like it does that and so this training was trying to teach you how to like keep people engaged the whole time yeah yeah i've spent the past it's fun doing this podcast because i probably don't have your traditional training but i've spent the past about year and a half focusing on growing as a communicator huh. because someone said you spend your least amount of time uh, growing the things that you're the best at because hmm. it's kind of like one well, that's my best area yeah. I should probably work on my weaknesses kind of like that story yeah. basically well you seem you seem to me Megan like you get up on stage and you have a great presence you've got mm. great energy and communicating doesn't seem to be the problem mm. um, and so the, not not that the the prep is a problem and like we say on this podcast is you just spent 15 hours preparing a sermon and nobody cares about any of it except nope. the last 30 minutes. You're right. But we care. Ooh, that's good. Let me we care that. about the other 14 and a half hours or however long it yeah. is. And so so tell me a little bit about that other 14 and a half hours and what it's mm-hmm. been like 
um, for you to, like you said, maybe no formal degree, Great. but um, how, are, how are you, where are you going to, to kind of figure this out, this prep time going from passage to message? Good. So it's fun. <clears throat> I'll give a little bit of context. Uh, no, I'll start with this. The, my biggest learning has come from people that I respect who have a personal relationship with the Lord. I know that sounds really odd, and of course everyone should, but there's certain people that I know or have gotten to know where after encountering them, I go, oh, you actually intimately spend time with the Lord. And those people, I ask the exact questions you're ironically asking me. So I'm kind of, I feel like I've just stolen a lot of their ideas over the years, but specifically in the past year and a half, uh, th- I ask this question, how do you prepare Yeah. to everyone? Everyone that I meet that knows the Lord, loves the Lord, and feels the call to preach the word and mm. does it faithfully, I sit with so many people and ask them that very mm. question. And it's really funny to like kind of pe- put people on the spot, but it's been such a gift. I would say a year and a half ago, um, Darren McWaters was on staff here at Arbor Road Church, mm-hmm. and he's someone that I've looked up to as a communicator. And so I went into his office and said, how do you do it? And it's so it's, it was so fun because for six months, he would then hand me his teaching notes before he went on Sunday mornings and I got to just sit there. So I would say the number one posture and the way that I've arrived at where I'm at, and ironically, the place that I've arrived at is still really hungry to learn more, yeah. is I don't have something that I think works. So that 14 hours is looking different depending on how God's uniquely growing me. Uh, but I can go into the details of that. But I'd say the biggest thing for me is those 14 hours have been molded and shaped by people that I've asked this very question to. Yeah, totally. Um and Darren, Darren now is at Evie for Fullerton as the, as the senior pastor there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Brent Eldridge is here at Arbor Road. So the idea of, so we, what we call is we call it the secret sauce. Everybody's mm. got a secret sauce mm. about how they're, how they cook it up. And, um, cook it up. so like let, let's just talk about kind of, um, I mean, we'll get into some passages because I know that you are, you're in the word, you're in scripture and you're trying to bring, go from. We, we have this conversation about going, like, do we do we go topical? Do I go from a passage? Like, mm-hmm. so in the venues you're teaching, let's just start with this. Um, how do you decide whether or not I'm going topical or whether or not I'm going to go from a passage or I'm going to go through a book or go yep. through a series? Um, how's that process like for you? You know, I'm surpri- I'm actually rather surprised. I'd say about 90% let me choose, okay. which is shocking. So the 10% would typically be like a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, venue where they would go, hey, we're doing this series, so continue the series with us. Mm. I always, and that's in the pulpit. That would be in the mm-hmm. pulpit, right? I always though start in preparation with a passage. So my from when I started teaching ten years ago, which is odd, and the best part is ten years ago, I feel like I just had a really simple testimony of God's like telling me who He is, and I just want to tell you that it changes everything. Hmm. Like it was that simple. It almost felt like ironically the passage I've been studying lately, the John nine, where it's like. I don't have some crazy um, theology yet, but I was blind. Now I see. Yeah. I feel like that was my, that's how I started. Was, and, and do you want to follow him too? <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. You should right. figure this out too. Right. Like I felt like you need to know this because I've ah. actually gotten to know this. And this is probably a big through line for me when I get to the final steps of my message. Once I like have it all gathered, I go, do they need to know this? That's a question I actually ask oftentimes before I get on stage. Or what about this? Do they need to know? Because mm. I, when I deliver a message, it's always one of two things. Either I'm worried about getting through my notes or I'm so excited for what they might hear. Mm. Um, and I can't wait for them to figure it out tomorrow. Part of that's probably even been shaped by Andy Stanley wrote a great, great book called Communicating for Change. <clears throat> Communication for Change. And what she says that he's like, are you either going to worry about getting through your notes and, and we all do it. We get to the end of it and go like, oh, I missed that point. Right. Re- that seems like you're not that excited for them to get it. And when a message has shaped you 
And so that's when, when I deliver the best messages are those moments I go, I've tasted this. It's affected me. I can't wait for you to get this. And yeah. then it's like a delight to share it. it and, and if it really is a gift, communication is really a gift, then it should be something fun to open each time you do. So, but you're right. The preparation is the very unseen and I'll say it's the most challenging part of the whole process. For yeah. Me. So, okay. So when you're looking at your Bible, um, like, and you're, um, are you looking at multiple translations? Are you using Bible software? Are you do you have Are you accessing original languages? I mean, because even mm. without training these days, there is so much access. There is. Are there websites? Like, how are you just looking at yeah. the past? Let me tell you where I started and where I am now. Where I started was this is <laughs> it's kind of funny to tell the story, but I feel like people are there. I started with testimony, which was great. Here's the truth about what it was, and then as I felt. Um, more and more equipped, I had to move from just the stories that I wanted to share into like, what's something sustainable? Because if people are just looking for those stories to sustain them, Mm -hmm. then they'll put a really unhealthy expectation on the Lord. And they'll become more dependent upon inspirational speakers instead of God's word. And then they will never learn how to self-feed themselves. So You uh, mean it might produce an environment where people are just looking for inspirational speakers? (laughs) What? How... Where would Uh, that happen? Oh my goodness. No, it's (laughs) scary. It is so scary because I think it's the one thing I want, you know, sure. I find, I find that tendency in myself. Right. Uh, so it's shifted from starting with which story personally mm-hmm. I want to tell and more what God is currently doing in mm-hmm. me. So really ha- if I, in those 90% of messages that I get to choose where to go, uh, which again, it's crazy. It's 90% of them, but it's what, what have I really understood and, and how did God share that with me and where in the Bible did God share that mm-hmm. with me? And then that's where I start. So practically speaking, what I do is I sit with the Bible. Uh, and cause I, what I keep thinking is I don't want, when I finish a message for people to go, she understands it more than I do. And I can't do that. Hmm. So I attempt to start where they, where I want to send them, which is just with God's word, nothing else. So I spend probably one or two days only with the text okay. and what is God telling me? What is it saying? I, some questions I, I ask very quickly is what's true about God? Because the story's not about me. It's about him. And if I can find a characteristic about God really evident in the passage, the cool thing is who God was is who God is and who God will forever be. So I can say with confidence that that one truth will be true today. So that, that's always kind of like a, an early question that I end up asking. Then um, well, another thing I do, which I'll just give you my right now thing, yeah. is I'm studying personally with an intern that I get to work with. We're just reading a chapter of the book of John each day. That's it. So mm-hmm. we read a chapter together and then we text each other a sentence. The sentence might be a quote. It might be a verse. It might be a random word. It might be a character mm-hmm. attribute of God. It might be some random thought he had me think, but some sort of sentence that I will remember and reflect on the rest of the day. And I don't yeah. want to use the term meditate because the guy I'm working with doesn't currently, he wouldn't understand that word yet. He's at a place where he's like, I'm starting to read the Bible for the first time for myself. So for him, it's just, what's one that you can remember? And then I yeah. think in about two months, we'll start using the word meditate and yeah. figure out what that yeah. means. Now, so that's a great, um, so team for one, mm-hmm. doing this with people. I Man. think the idea of being an interpretive community yeah. um, and, and this idea of discipling, mm-hmm. mentoring, training. Yeah. And those are things that, so you've brought that a little bit into your, your own time. teaching prep. And you know who I learned that from was Chris Brown, actually, from oh, North yeah. Coast. Sat with him and he goes, oh, and I remember him. He's been one of the, he's been a really cool shaping guy for me because I think we have a lot of similar giftings, but also similar struggles in those giftings, mm. uh, thinking that we're pretty good at things and yeah, it's ugly. <laughs> and it's cool to have a guy that goes like, yeah, it's the biggest thing that could get in the way of me delivering a message is myself. So what do we do? And he uh, presents his message to his staff 
uh, a few days before. And he goes, and some of the best analogies or the best Mm. whatever come out of my staff. And I'll say that's the best way that I've learned to disciple people is to, um, yes, of course, give, 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 give. But I think oftentimes we don't um, find or showcase that we learn from them too. Mm. And it's one of the most empowerful, empowering things you could do is go, I would have never thought of that. Another thing I've done is sit with someone. This is really personal to me, but I love uh, sitting with a passage with my mom who thinks sometimes she doesn't fully get it. She doesn't have training in it um, at all. Hmm. She sits in Sunday morning faithfully. She like buys the CD when she really likes it. You know, the inspirational talk uh, buys the CD because who does that? She does. Um, That's why they have that little window at churches still as my mom. But I love sitting with her because the questions she asks, I would never ask. So I would truly say sitting with someone Hmm. uh, who's different than you has been probably one of the best gifts so that I know where I'm sending people, which is back to God's word. Yeah. You know, it's funny because like, I think, I think different pastors, different personalities, um, like me, I'm thinking I'm going to get alone in my office and I am Mm. going to, you know, just dig down into the books. And sometimes you, I forget that like, Hey, bring some people in. And even just letting them into the process. And sometimes it can be hard to let people into the process because I remember telling Kelly or she'd ask, how's the sermon going? And I'm like, well, it's horrible. It's horrible till it's done, you know? But the idea of like kind of letting someone else into that seems like a very valuable enterprise. And the fun thing is I get, those are oftentimes where I'm now getting my like, especially with young adults. So when I go do a once a year chapel somewhere, I can tell a story from four months ago because it was a big story. With the consistent weekly ministry, it's like, what happened this week? Which I think mm. is why I'm like, I feel like I'm growing more than ever in this season, mm. preaching every single week. Because it's like, how has this shaped me this week? Mm. And the only way I get that is by having conversations in the midst. It's so funny. Just, I have my to-do list right in front of me. And for each week, I have a different piece of paper for all my mm. to-do lists. And if you look over the past month, the one thing I did not check off this list is writing a message for that church. I never finished a message for that. I'm looking at it right now in front of me, that high school and middle school chapel I just did. Never finished that message in the office. These were all plans. I did everything else on my to-do list except for each of the talks because when I, when my only plan is to sit at a computer, hmm. I have a cha- It's hard for me. Hmm. Now, mind you, I don't know if this is like unique to me or maybe unique to some of the listeners. Um, I process out loud much better than just sitting at a computer in my own head. And so that's a necessary, the community piece, which I'm now realizing even talking about this podcast. Wow, how shaping it is for the people on the podcast. Uh, it is incredibly shaping. And it's mm. when I when I think that I can gather up the message for people who are very different than me by myself, um, that's a scary place to be. And I think mm. probably where I find myself with the same struggle Chris Brown and I talked about years ago, which mm. is just like, I know how to gather the message. Personally, I could, I could write a great message um, for someone else mm. that like walks them through a passage. Great. But there is something so different about praying, discerning, conversing, being transformed by, and then delivering the message. Oh, that is so good. I love, I and I think this will be really helpful. Um, it's helpful for me because it's not my natural tendency to like bring, hey, let's bring a lot of people into this. Because yeah. it's a, sometimes it's a place of insecurity. It's yeah. just, I've got to stand up there. But I, the idea, even the language that you're using, like, I'm going to gather the message. Yeah. It's like it's out there yeah. and I'm just going to go find it. Yes. I'm going to go find it and I'm going to go bring it in and then I'm going to I'm going to gather it. Nailed it. And then I'm just going to like let's see what we make. It's, mm-hmm. it's so I I love the imagery. Um I'll, let me tell you why yeah. that I'm obsessed with that. 
uh, is because when I first started dating my husband, this is going to be weird and it's going to be a full circle, but I promise we'll get there, is he drove this really weird car. He's like, I drive a truck. It was a Colorado. And I'm like, the truck is called a state? Like, that is so funny to me. And I was like, I, don't, I didn't even know that car existed. It was, I think it was called Chevy Colorado. <clears throat> and I, I, ha- I remember one of our first conversations, it was just a stupid, silly conversation, but going, I didn't even know those cars existed. From that day on, I see Chevy Colorados everywhere. You've done it, right? Where yeah. you talk about something and suddenly you see it everywhere. Same thing with the Lord. If I talk about it, I see them everywhere. Hmm. If I'm searching for them, I see it everywhere. That's why me and my intern do the one sentence. And it's accountability for each of us to send it to each other. If we do the one sentence and we think about it the rest of the day, you find Jesus everywhere. Hmm. Everywhere. You gather him all over the Hmm. place. Versus I think a lot of people are waiting for Jesus to come to them with the big aha moment. Hmm. I'm going, no, no, no. He's just everywhere. Hmm. And right, it's when you seek him, you'll find him. That's one of my favorite promises in scripture Hmm. is if you seek him, you're going to find them. If mm. you seek good feelings, you may not find those because that's not the promise, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you seek inspiration, you might not find that. But if you seek Jesus, you'll find it. That's yeah. why I love um, gathering the message. Yeah, gather. So, okay. So, let's. So teaching prep, good. there are things that kind of pump you up. Mm-hmm. Like, And it's not hard to pump you up, Megan. No, You've got no. a lot of energy. Mm. Um, and you're drinking coffee, so be careful, <laughs> right? Um, okay, but what, what are the things that you're like, ugh, I don't know. Every time I come to that in pre- in prep or mm-hmm. message, is there anything that kind of like, like, ah, I don't know, like, or is there some hesitancy or some anxiety? Is there anything like that for you or is it just kind of... No, I think the big thing for me, and I don't know if, again, I, I, part, part of me just wants to now have training after this podcast, more training, <laughs> which is good. It's the same posture I had at the beginning. But... Um, it's figuring out what the one thing I want to say is. That's probably the most frustrating thing. And then when you have your three points or two points or four points or whatever, um, how how you organize those. So if you sit with the passage and you go, oh, what I want to say is what? Like what's the one thing? That's mm-hmm. probably the most frustrating thing is I can make a lot of great points because Jesus did. <clears throat> but if I have a hard time remembering my three points, good luck in the audience. Yeah. Good luck in the for the audience. Yeah. So f- nailing out what it is and then what the through line is of all your points and how you progress through that. So I think some things that are kind of like frustrating to me is how do I want to teach? Do I want to read through the whole scripture and then break it down in chunks? Do I want to teach through the scripture for the message? Do I want to start with them? Right. Like those types of decisions going right. like, I think they do matter and how to present it and that's something i haven't figured out a formula for in fact a lot of my teaching it's hard because it's not a formula but it's totally a journey that the lord takes me on and then i suddenly arrive somewhere and then the cool thing about getting to speak to a wide variety of audiences is i get to share similar messages but in my mind they're radically different the audience may go i've heard that story or whatever um, if they've heard me within a year but for me the organization makes the whole difference yeah and it's crazy when you finally arrive at the yes that's how I say that one thing well. Yeah. So, and again, imagine that's even it references plural right. is how I say that one, one thing, thing really well. Mm-hmm. That's probably the biggest challenge. Yeah. It is the, the crafting, you, especially gathering information is oftentimes fun. Mm-hmm. You, you get, and you just, you over, you have all this stuff and then you've got to edit. Yeah. And then you've got to say, well, that's not going to make it in. And I, what, well, what do I even want to say? Right. You know, what is the, where's the track? Where's the clear right. path forward? Yeah. And, you know, different homiletics classes or preaching classes, they'll give you a, a kind of schematic of how to do mm-hmm. that. I remember in the one I took, it was um, trouble, trouble, grace, grace. So you go trouble in the Bible, trouble in our world, grace in the Bible, grace in our world. That's cool. Um, yeah, it's, gr- it's great. I'm but if you notes. do that every week for 45 weeks, you know, <laughs> it's like, 
it becomes formulaic. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, nothing I do is for me like, and to, to, a, <laughs> to a fault, well, to probably a stress for me. Cause there was a season where I was going, this is not sustainable because right. it was so consuming for me, right. especially in the past like five years where I'd go, man, it's not like a, like I, I listened to Tim Keller talk about his formula of, oh, I spend 20 hours doing this and then, t- and then, and then two weeks before the message and then 10 hours here, here, here. Like he knows how to do it. Even when I sat yeah. with Darren, he goes, yeah, yeah, here's how I write a message in a week. The, and this is Darren's formula, is the first uh, day or two, which is similar to what I said, right. he just sits in the text. Then he outlines the text. What is it saying? Which mm-hmm. I love that phrase. So it's not what it says. Or here's what the scripture says. No, no, no. What? Or, sorry, sorry. It's what it says, not what it's saying. Said, mm-hmm. We spend all the time with like, oh, what it's actually saying is, no, no, no. What does it just say? So he goes and does that in the context of the bigger story. So mm-hmm. tells like the chapter before, chapter after, context of this mm-hmm. thing. Just here's what it's saying. Then he takes that, begins to pray over, like, what's the thing it's saying to our people? Then he takes the outline of what it's actually, what it says, and then then begins the, what is it saying yeah. to us? And then has that, then that you have that outline. And then he goes, and then the morning of is when I put my stories in. Yeah. Which I loved yeah. that. That was a challenge for me to go yeah. like, oh, th- at the very end, mm-hmm. like kind of last minute you throw stories in where I, I spend all my time thinking through and again I've also spoken to such young audiences who right. are so dependent upon stories but how do I how do I know that the most aha thing is not an illustration I walk away from but some sort of truth that will last yeah yeah so. no that's I for for me sometimes I'll be I'll get it done and I'll be like well, this thing needs an introduction or this needs a story somewhere you <laughs> yeah. know and um yeah and those oftentimes come those are like the last things that get put in yes. so let me let me ask you this question because you were, have spent a lot of time in in camping ministry mm-hmm. and um, particularly like up at Hume Lake and a thing about camping ministry is a lot of the the messages are just life changers like mm-hmm. we're looking to offer a life changing message yeah now if you're teaching week to week, the intensity of bringing a life changing message week to week is like you were saying almost. Well, it's impossible. Like mm-hmm. it's and it's elusive. Uh, it also can break you down yeah. to try to do that. So, tell me a little bit about how you, as you think about your own ministry, which has had kind of and you do bring. You have a lot of life changing. You might have had a life changing uh, moment just going to get us coffee, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, but how do you think about teaching on the long haul Good. with a group of people? Rather than I'm going to get this group for this week and we're going to change their lives this week. Yeah. But now I've got people I'm walking through life with for years mm-hmm. and years and years. So tell, tell me a little bit about how you've processed Good. that with your own teaching. Yeah, it's changed the structure of how I do it. So when I first took young adult ministry, I'll never forget it. The first month I gave like what I thought were home run messages <laughs> back to back to back to back. Four weeks straight of like. The best of the best. And yeah. I mean, I'm like crying in the message. I'm sweating. Like I was like, I'll never like finished it. And I was like, <sighs> and I like sat down and it, it was so funny because no one said anything to me after. Now, mind uh-huh. you, I'm used to traveling and speaking where there's like five or six people or, right. or up to like 20 that are in a line to have a conversation with whoever spoke about that one thing that's going to change your whole life. Right? right. So I'm used to that environment. I'm used to camping ministry where everyone needs to have a conversation afterwards. So I deliver the first week I gave this message and I was like, yeah, Mitt crushed that, right? In my own mind, no one said anything. It's and I was crickets, like, crickets. it was so good for my soul. It was so healthy for me. Week two, I'm like, okay, this one's going to do it. I gave another message. I was like, man, crushed that. No one, no one girl, one girl happened to go like, 
hey, thanks. Like, just a thanks. No tears. Like, I mean, I was, you know, let me also say this. No tears. Let me also say this. And this, it's going to sound really shallow. And I hope I'm really talking to people that can laugh with me on this. Totally. I'm right there with you. This is not my typical congregate. Okay. Uh, But I will say this. So at Hume Lake, about nine years ago, the first message I ever gave, Francis Chan was in the audience. He was just one of the camp speakers. And he sat in and he walked up to me afterwards. He goes, let's grab coffee. And I was like, yeah. And, and he had always spoken at my high school. So I was always like, oh, he's the cool, funny guy from my high school. And so I sat with him and he goes, hey, let me ask you this. Do you know how to make him cry? And I was like, what? And he goes, you've worked at Hume now for this is like your, what, second, third summer? I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, like when you go into cabins like, and hang out with the girls, do you know how to make him cry? And, and it was a really vulnerable question because I, I actually looked at him and went, yes. He goes, you know a few stories to tell? And he goes, isn't it so scary, the power that we have? Mm. And he goes, you've been given a gift said this to me he goes and if the holy spirit's not a part of it it will be worthless for them it will just be a feeling it will mm. just be a moment and he goes you have to deliver some sort of truth he goes god's given you that gift mm. and i want you to use it faithfully and it was one of those like shaping moments for me that mm. went like you know it's so weird i do have a couple stories that i know i'll cry telling them sure and they might cry telling them um and so i, I even went back to i told that story i want to say week three or four of my first month of going like so what I want to do is, and this is probably, a, um, I'm taking some of the ideas of Michelle Anthony, who says, our goal is not to change people, it's to create an environment to come alongside what the Holy Spirit's doing in their lives. So after those four weeks of what I thought were some of my best messages, um, I changed the entire structure from being um, an audience to, I made little semicircles. And then what I would do is, so at an everyday sense after that first month, I talk for, I give like a five to six minute Mm. intro and then I send them to have a conversation. Then I teach the Bible for about 10 or 15 minutes and then send them to have a conversation about it and Mm. wrestle with the truth or, or have them read the scripture in community because that's how I, I personally grow. And then I end with some sort of invitation for them to respond and then we create space for them to respond. Mm. Uh, It is very different. And the cool thing is it's probably because of, again, I have so many quotes in my head right now and they're all from other people. One of them was, I I don't even remember who said it, said, if, if I say something, best case scenario is that my, my audience understands. If I say something, if they say something, they'll remember it. Because imagine sitting in a classroom and then you raise your hand and say something, you Mm -hmm. you critique or are really proud of what you said the rest of the class, right? Mm -hmm. So if you say something, you'll remember it. If you discover something, you'll own it, and you only act on what you own. You don't act on what you believe. Hmm. You act on what you own. You don't act on what you agree with. Yeah. You act on what you own. So my job is to create an environment where they get to own and discover truth for themselves yeah. versus agree with me as a speaker. Yeah. So, um, But I do recognize majority of what I do, so speaking outside of the church context, is delivering a 25 to 45 minute message. But with regards to the weekly, every single week, what it is, mm. is I get to create space for them to discover truth for themselves. Yeah. So one of my favorite things to do is, all right, what we're talking about tonight is Romans 12, 1 through 8. Um, why don't you sit in groups and tell me what stands out? Yeah. And then they spend 10 minutes together reading it, asking questions and going, do you truly believe that not only do you have something to learn from every single person in your group, but believe that they have something to learn from you? Bring your questions, be who you are, say what you think. Yeah. You got this. And it's so fun to watch them all come alive and learn from one another because that's what I want for them is to have a type of faith where they're hungry and they want to learn from other people because that's basically what's been the best recipe for me. Yeah, it is the whole, it's funny when you say you're like, I mean, how many people listening to this are like, I crushed it, Yeah, you know, and then like, no tears, no, no, it's like crickets, you know, somebody might even come up to you and say, oh, I loved it when you said this. You're like, I didn't even say that. Oh man. Yeah. And, but here, here, so I think a lot of this has to do with 
like genre, like what are people expecting when they're coming? And yes. the idea of like, are they expecting a life altering experience yep. or are they expecting food for the day, yep. the manna for today? Yes. And, or the ability, kind of the, an interpretive community that we can gather around. We can gather around the word and see what comes out of that. And yeah. so it is interesting to just think about that, like the genre of a sermon. Yes. And how can we get people to say something, to ask a question? Like yeah. I've, I've never, I've done it once where I've actually fielded questions during a sermon. Mm. And I've said, okay, I just want to take questions. Mm. And you just think like, oh my gosh, like how much does that totally changes the genre. Yeah. And a lot of people aren't ready to ask a question either yes. because they're not they're not expecting that. No. But if we think, how is this going to land on yes. someone? Then we do need to think about how people are encountering yes. this. Yes. If there is a person listening that is either a middle school, high school, or young adult pastor, let me tell you this. Stop spending so much time writing small group questions. Stop it. Your students have way better questions than mm. you can think of in your office. And it's been one of my favorite advice moments to give to youth pastors mm. and young adult pastors is they're actually better asking questions than you are, especially when it comes to the text. And when they ask questions, they learn to care about it. So one thing I love to do when I volunteer in a youth ministry was I'd have my, so they'd listen to a sermon and we'd read scripture in small group. And then I'd have them ask a question and then they'd all put it in the center and then they'd have to pick up someone else's question and they ask it. And now here's the fun thing. It's suddenly you don't have a youth leader that's pulling teeth to get people to answer questions. Why? Because they're asking ones they care about. Huh. And they feel what it feels mm. like when they ask a question and no one responds, which makes them want to respond when other people ask. My my friends listening in, <laughs> it is so cool and different. Stop stressing to write good questions that you think they care about. You just don't always know. They know what they care about and they ask the best questions. And I think churches do it a lot with huh. the question series that we do. Yeah. It can be more practical on a weekly basis yeah. in ministry. Oh. Oh, so good. So good. All right. So we, a little bit of time. Sorry, sermon, sermon. No, no, no. Yeah. This is great. I mean, it's, it's good to think about because not everybody who's listening is teaching not only from the pulpit, yes. but is also in a weekly environment and teaching and just thinking like, do people need another sermon mm -hmm. on a Tuesday night? No, no, they don't. They need, they need to engage in a way mm -hmm. and they need to be able to ask questions and they need to be able to have someone who's going to be comfortable enough to either say, I don't know, or, hey, maybe this resource can help us out. Yes. or But I don't know. Ministry is not just giving answers, right? Yes, no. It's just walking with people. Yes. And, and I read a book. Um, it was about TED Talks, what makes the best TED Talks. And it was all about, like, one of the best things that has ever happened in the series of TED Talks is people who are shocked. And I'm like, I want to create the shock factor. So, I mean, one week I taught on the Holy Spirit, and it was kind of like, we believe he's real. Let's like dry him out. You know, so it was like, <laughs> so I ended up sending them for an hour and it was, mind you, they all can drive, but they came back with the best, the best stories. And it would, and they would have never remembered my three point talk. Huh. They would have never remembered it. But I promise you the kid in my ministry who had cancer, who walked up, felt the need to walk into a liquor store and just ask the lady how she's doing. And she was battling cancer. We, you, you can't script that. And I could have probably even told that story better than he could on stage. Yeah. Um, but he'll remember that the rest of his life. Mm. Oh my gosh. Now you're making me cry. My gosh. So you know how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So let, tell me about John nine. Cause that's what you've been, you've Good. been at lately. Um, what, let me just say this. What has surprised you in the text? It's a, obviously oh, this, this oh, path. It's a passage. It's the, the, the story of the man born blind in John mm. nine. Okay. Um, what's, what's been something that has, you've read the passage a yes. million times. What has surprised you? Okay. Here's the fun thing. So I'm going to be teaching this to three different audiences in the next ooh, couple weeks. Okay. 
and I just did it for the first time last week. And it was so funny. I prepared and then ended up doing like not even half of what I prepared because what I prepared was for a different audience. So I was teaching it to middle school and they were not. And in literally standing in front of them, I discerned very quickly like they weren't ready to address this question. So mm-hmm. I'll read the first couple verses. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. That's Jesus. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents, that he was born blind. So basically, they ask, the disciples ask a really good question. Whose fault is it that this guy's blind? Is it his parents? Or basically, which if you really think about that question, it's the like, why do bad things happen? Which that's a heavy question. Mm-hmm. And Jesus responds, neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life, period. I was planning on harping on that moment to go like, are you okay with that response from Jesus? Because I don't think you are okay with, you want to know why bad things happen? So that God can be glorified. You want to know why bad things happen? It's not someone's necessarily someone's fault, but so that God would be glorified. Are you okay with that? Now, mind you, does a middle schooler need to think about that? There's no way. Probably not as much, as much life experience no. to be able to process that. No, right. Young and, adults, maybe. Yes, and we will. And so young adults, I'm, I'm thinking about doing it for some <laughs> high school students, but I have to figure out a different way of communicating it. But I don't want to also, because that's in the text I'm planning to preach, I don't want to overlook it. So then the how do you, what do you do with a hard moment like that? This guy... Why is he born blind? So that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Why are you single? So that the work of God, why is this? Mm-hmm. Any question that you've probably asked God, that might that might be his response, but you also have to recognize the, you also, I have to recognize that not every passage is meant for the same exact, like, oh, the reason I'm single is so that we can't do that, of course. But I think it at least gets people thinking and mm-hmm. finding the relevance mm-hmm. of uh, this moment and how we can bring our honest moments and honest questions before the Lord. Yeah. And then, and then figure out before you ask it if you're okay with any response that he has. I love, Megan, that you didn't get three verses into this like 45 verse passage <laughs> where you're like, oh, this is life. It's all right here in this verse. Right. That is fantastic. It has been, and that, that's the hard thing. So I've read through this whole thing and I keep going, <laughs> where do I stop? Because I mean, you can go like 50 bazillion different ways with it. Do you go with the progression of the guy who goes like, oh, I don't know who he is. Actually, he's... He's, the, you know, he's prophet, he's this. And then yeah. by the end, he's like, no, he's the Lord. Do right. you want to follow him? Like, so yeah. do I go with that guy? And then you, I keep praying through, who's my audience and what do they need? Now, it was really fun because <laughs> what I did with the middle schoolers was tell the story of um, a friend of mine who taught this passage to elementary school kids. Speaking of that, we have much to learn from everybody. And she's creating the mud with her hands. And she has, <laughs> a, she has she's telling the little, like, little elementary kids, like, and he was blind. And so what Jesus did is, you know, he made mud and all the kids are like ooh mud you know and then she's like and then he put it on his eyes you know and you know what we get to learn is about Jesus' character and a little girl goes Jesus is mean <laughs> and then some other kids like I don't want Jesus to put mud in my eyes and then it, suddenly they like uproar oh, and she's nice. like snack time but <clears throat> so I'm telling that story but I realized like that was for me a, so I ended up jumping mm. on that story instead of what I had planned which mm. is just kind of ironic <clears throat> Actually, there's nothing ironic. Don't we just say phrases? It's so weird. <clears throat> but I sat there and said, if you look, and it was cool. It was a cool moment. And it was cool because it actually happened. I spent hours preparing that message. And I had the aha to share in the midst of preaching, mm. which that's rare for me. But I was going, you will either use your, you will either put on the lens of your experiences to define who God is for you. And then, yes, Jesus is mean. Yes, Jesus, who's all sovereignty, allowed someone to have cancer that I care about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I look at Jesus through the lens of my circumstance, mm-hmm. Jesus will be mean. Yeah. Or do we allow who Jesus is to be the lens that we look at our yeah. circumstances? And that was a live moment, hmm. live, 
And it was such a cool moment. And the best part about that moment is I got to the end of the sermon and was giving glory to God. And I started the entire sermon with Matthew 5 about we are the light of the world so that people see our good deeds and give praise to our Father in heaven. That was just this random intro that I gave because it was Christmas and they were singing a song about lights. And so mm-hmm. I you know, said that and like, can we live in such a way where people yeah. look at our lives and give But this is the light of the world, uh, the whole teaching on the light of the world. Right. Yeah. So there was a fun little tie-in, but the best part is I got to the very end of the sermon and I was like, people just got to see my good deeds and they and I am praising my father in heaven not praising myself because mm-hmm. of that huge aha in the midst of teaching yeah. and luckily discerning that they didn't need to debate whether or not God caused or allowed <laughs> hardship <laughs> but that he used it and so yeah. taking it from this deep theological controversy to hey what's a what's a single truth God uses yeah chaos for his glory oh man there's and there's so much in this it's so, and i love the iron the irony in the passage the the whole idea of like hey where's where's the guy who healed you where's he at and he's like i don't know i was blind <laughs> right. how am i supposed to tell you you know and then by the end it's you know of course in john it's the the blind eyes see right and the seeing eyes are blind it's and there's so many ways right you can go i didn't with even go there thing. how yeah. crazy yeah so i mean it's it's so great megan this has been so fantastic. Love mm-hmm. what you're doing here. I love that you're even without like kind of a formal training that you're you're taking it on yourself mm-hmm. to be a learner, lifelong learner, yeah. but to find trusted resources for learning. And of course, a, a pod, our, the podcast here, look, if you're listening to this, this is supposed to be like a gateway drug to learning, right? Yeah. And so I love that we're having this conversation. I love what you're doing. So thanks so much for being on thanks, the podcast. Craig. I can't wait to listen in because I will continue to learn from what you're doing. It's truly important. It, it, to be honest, it lends me to want to go have some um, more formal training, but also to go the Jesus route of just learn all the time. I think that's the best lifestyle. And I love that you're doing this because it allows people to do just that. Cool. Thanks so much, Megan. Heck yeah, Craig. Hey, hope you enjoyed our conversation with Megan. And if you'd like to find out more about Arbor Road Church, um, you can find their link on our um, show notes. Um, you can also listen to some of the messages from Megan at uh, meganfate.com. And there's a link on the show notes as well. We also have links to Hume Lake Christian Camps and Azusa Pacific University. Um, also want to encourage you, um, if you're enjoying this, uh, Visit our Patreon page and give a buck a month to our um, to our work here at the Teaching Pastor. We're having a great time doing it. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. It is uh, meeting and talking about some great stuff with some great people. And if you're appreciating it and enjoying it, use some of that professional development money and support the podcast. All right. Well, hey, we'll see you guys next time on the Teaching Pastor Podcast. <laughs>